0: Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. We're in a place of expansion, and we've talked about it for a few years where the Lord began to say, I'm going to expand your borders, I'm going to expand your tent pegs, um, there's, there's going to be things that are going to happen. And, and we saw it happen in little ways. The biggest way we saw it was in our hearts these last couple years Where all of a sudden the capacity, I think, for us personally to carry the love of God and the kingdom message to the nations, our our hearts begin. I had this encounter in 2016 when I was in, um, uh, not Thailand, in Singapore. And, And the Lord specifically told me, I'm going to enlarge your heart to match my heart for the work that I'm giving you. And it's and, but you're gonna have a physical encounter. And I remember I was like, okay, Lord, you do the whole thing. Let it be it ha- happen to me. I'm I'm here. I surrender to you. And so he he literally did surgery on me, whereas I'm laying down, I could feel my uh, rib cage begin to expand, and I'm like, this has got to be a uh, just like a psychosomatic effect. I'm feeling it's happening. But God, you're giving me the heart. It's and no, when I got back, my my actual shirt size got bigger on it, because God expanded something. And I'm just telling you right now, I think that was a sign of I'm going to expand people's capacity to carry my heart before I expand the building to to the capacity to facilitate what I want to do, okay? So if you've been praying for breakthrough, maybe the biggest breakthrough God wants to bring in your life is your capacity to carry his heart before you actually do the things that he wants you to go do, amen? A heart for your family, a heart for your children, a heart for yourself even, uh, like there's the Lord is, is going to be able to turn some things. Um, and so with that being said, too, as you can imagine, our parking lot is completely jam full. We're, we're really limited by our space. And, and so we've actually had conversations with the restaurant across the street saying, hey, throughout the week, you may be parking our lot, but we can't afford to lose a single spot. We're trying to get creative with it. Okay. Um, We're probably about 65% capacity in here right now. um, And our children's ministry is growing. So we're actively looking for land, for buildings, for things like that. We're we're just asking the Lord. You said you would give us keys to a place. So we're, we're looking for that. At the same time, here's what I need you to do. Partner in faith that that opens up. Continue to show up and bring people with you. I'm not afraid of standing room only. Okay, because I believe God's going to do something as we're looking for that. And somebody said, well, why why don't we start a second service, which we've done in the past, and it just didn't feel right. And part of what it is, is there's something that's special that's happening of us all being together. I didn't feel like we were supposed to divide the family, right? And and we did that during the pandemic. We had two services, and, and it was different. But I felt like it was when we came back together that we, all of a sudden we just started to see some type of momentum created. So, so pray that doors are opened up. But at the same time, don't be afraid if like you have to listen to that. And, and so today we've got a membership class. The, the registration for that is already closed because we're, we're max capacity. But we've got 27 people that are joining the membership class today, which is a fantastic thing. So I tell you this, it's expansion. We're seeing the fruit of it right now. And, and the Lord is building the family here, okay? So we can carry the gospel of the kingdom out there. And so we're grateful for every one of you. Find a place to volunteer. Get in community groups. Begin to continue to, to put logs on the fire of what God's doing. And it's going to be really, really good. Amen? All right. So let me pray before we get into the word. Father, I just thank you that your word is enough. I think you that the Bible is complete, that it's living, it's active, it's fire. It's a, wa- it's a water that washes us. Lord God, it's, it's things that new, uh, just, uh, bring us nutrition. And I just ask right now as we, as we read your word today, Lord God, as we spy your word today, so that we can fully become all that you've created us to be, so we can fully carry your mind and your heart to the world. And we just declare this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to two passages of Scripture. First one is going to be Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and put a marker there. And then flip over to James chapter 3. James chapter 3 and keep it open. So Ephesians 5, James chapter 3, just want to give a shout out to our amazing team here as you're turning. Um, one of the words I carry is that I'm supposed to apostolically go and help others step into a kingdom message. And we have such an amazing leadership team here and we have such an amazing family here that I can sit online, uh, heard so many good testimonies of what God did last week, whether it's through healing or prophecy, uh, building people up. I'm so blessed uh, by every one of you. And I just want to say I had a blast uh, at the, the Anglican Church in, uh, in Midland, and they really received what we were doing. And there's some doors are opening up. We're going to go back and do some more training. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, God's about to set Midland on fire, and he's doing it through an Anglican church. It's, it's really, really amazing, and so pretty excited about that. But as I've been praying through, a few weeks ago, just the Lord began to tell me, um, continue the preparation work by reminding people what is fundamental to the faith, and, and, and what that looks like. Tim Duncan was uh, known as the big fundamental. Uh, he played, obviously, for the Spurs. If, you, if you're new here and you, you didn't watch the NBA, he's one of the top five players of all time in the NBA, and he won multiple championships, multiple MVPs. But what he was known for is whether they won or lost in the season, a week or two afterwards, you would find him in shooting, his jumbling, all those things he would work on it immediately after the season. Why? Because he understood the fundamentals. No matter how great he'd become, he understood the foundation of greatness was built on fundamentals. And so for this church, the fundamental is seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you, will be built upon. And Luke, it says, as you seek after the kingdom, it's the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. So he's actually putting something into our hand. And so several weeks ago, we talked about we really have to have a kingdom mindset. The way that we see is dependent upon the way that he sees. We can't operate with a lens that's here just plain on the earth. We have to get for this position where we're seated with Jesus and the Father, and we begin to see like the Father sees. It's a mindset. We begin to think. We understand his heart. It says it several times in Scripture that Moses was familiar with God's ways. Let me hear you say God's ways. When you break that down, it was what's the way that he thinks? How does he feel? What does he want? What's his desires? What's his will? Moses was familiar with that. that means he understood it. He was in an intimate relationship. But then it would the very next part of that verse would say, but Israel was only familiar with his deeds. Let me hear you say deeds. They could see an outward action, and all they knew was the outward action of God, but they didn't understand why God did what he did. And so what he's calling us into is this, a lot of religious places will tell you to go through the motions, the different prayers, different steps, different disciplines of faith, and they'll tell you the deeds of what it looks like to be a Christian, but they won't necessarily change your heart they won't go to the inside game out and build a foundation inside of you. And what we're trying to do here is if I can be transformed from the inside out, I actually begin to walk as Jesus walked on the earth. And that, Because that's part of the command. As I did, you're going to do. As the Father sent me, I'm going to send you. Right? It's all these things that are working in harmony with what God did, the Father did in Jesus' life through the power of the Holy Spirit. He also wants to do in your life in right relationship with the Father, the Son, and under the power of the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus. This is the way we're called to live life. So as we're, I've been talking and praying, the Lord began to really speak to me about, the again, go back to power of your words The power of declaration. The the power of coming into alignment with the word of God. And so what I want to talk to you about is the cleansing that comes by when God washes you with the word. And we'll read that in Ephesians here in a little bit. But your words are powerful. Now, I'm not a name it and claim it person, which means, here's what I mean by that. Um, I want a Ferrari, so I'm just going to name and claim the Ferrari. Now, I will not turn down a Ferrari. But I'm not going to speak it into existence. That's that's a misuse of understanding of that. But here's what it does say: If I'm if I have a brokenness of heart and I see a promise in Scripture that says He heals the broken heart, I'm going to name it and claim it. Yeah. Lord, Your Word says You came to heal the brokenhearted. I'm claiming that. I'm naming that promise. I'm coming after it. I want that to be a part of my life. I will do it until. And I love what Pastor Chris said earlier. Too often we say, well, I haven't experienced that, so therefore I can't declare that. Or I haven't experienced that, so I can't believe that. And that's not actually biblical. You have, to de- you have to receive before. Faith is, before I've even experienced it, I believe it. Before it, it comes into us. Because faith is one of these things that is a fuel that works, but faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? So you see, you hear God speak a word and go, I don't know if I believe that. Or God, I haven't experienced that. And he goes, I didn't ask you if you believe it yet, or if you experienced it yet, or if you understand it. He says, just step out on it. This is the eternal promise of heaven. And the call of the church is, I take you at your word, and I step out on your word. Because your word is what? More than enough. We just sing that song, Jaira. We're coming into this place of in alignment. So we have to understand how powerful not just our belief system is, but the declaration that follows what we believe. That's why it says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's an important part. The condition of your heart is going to determine what comes flowing out of your mouth. And so in Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart above all else. For out of it flows the issues of life. It's the overflow that's coming. If your heart is not in alignment with his heart, that's not an indictment of sin. But it is diagnosing, ah, now I understand why I'm experiencing certain things in life. I'm experiencing darkness. I'm experiencing being down. I'm experiencing frustration. I'm experiencing all these things as a regular part of my life. It's because my heart hasn't come into alignment with the heart of the Father. How do I guard my heart? I make sure that my heart is in alignment with his heart. And guess what? God's heart guards your heart. It's not about your effort. It's about your agreement. It's not about your effort. It's about your agreement. It's about you coming into alignment, agreeing with God that he's a good father and that his purposes and plans are good for you and coming into it. How do we do that? The power of the tongue. What we speak is very powerful Thing. Our words either give release to God's kingdom or they give release to the kingdom of darkness. The only reason the devil still has any authority in the earth, because remember, let's we'll go through a quick history lesson. Adam and Eve are created perfect. They're in the garden of Eden. God says, hey, I've created you to take dominion over all the earth, which tells us that That man in the beginning had dominion over the earth given to them by God. But that dominion can only be exercised as long as they were connected to God as their life source. His heart flows in their heart. His mind flows in their mind. And they had the capacity to have dominion, to rule and to reign, to administrate the perfect kingdom into all the earth. But the moment they disconnected from God as their source and connected into a source outside of God, suddenly they lost the capacity to actually take dominion. That meant there was a void that was left in that place. And the devil, the next most powerful being on the planet, was happy to fill that void. And all of a sudden, he picked up what Adam and Eve laid down, and he did have dominion. How do I know this? When Jesus is being tempted in the desert by the devil, he tempts him. He says, hey, uh, if you just bow down to me, look at here. He takes him high up on the temple mat. See all the kingdoms of the world, they're mine. And I can give them to you. I'll give them to you if you'll just worship me. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, they're not yours. You're a liar. No, he actually told the truth. They were his. But Jesus says, no, I'm not going to bow down. I'm not going to do this. Because Jesus understood what he was about to do on the cross that would then empower him to actually take the keys back. Okay, so what happened on the cross? He dies, it is finished, he releases his spirit to God, and he goes to hell for three days. He takes back the keys to authority over the earth. Then, all those who are born again, he says, All authority's been given to me in heaven and where? Prior to Jesus' resurrection, all authority from Adam sinning to Jesus resurrecting was in the hands of the devil. Now, did God have all authority? Yes. Right? But he empowers and he honors people's choices. And so in that moment, Jesus says, all authority is mine. I've got the keys of the kingdom. I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. Take authority, have dominion over all the earth. How can you do that? By the power of your word. Agreement in your heart. Step into this place and either I can release God's kingdom or I can re-empower a disempowered foe. There's a story, a testimony, I think it was when Rodney Hogue was with us a couple years ago and he was teaching on, um, on deliverance. Fantastic. If you ever want to learn about deliverance, it's on our website. Uh, it was an all-day training on deliverance. And uh, he was talking about how there was a group of believers that were, had a Hindu temple, I think it was, uh, or a Buddhist temple in, inside their city. And they said, hey, we've got authority. We can cast out demons. Let's go do that. And so they had a purity of heart, and they went to the temple. They cast out the demons. They cleansed the place. And for a moment, guess what? It was actually empty. What happened the next day that the worshipers came back? It re-empowered actually bigger than before because they hadn't gone after the hearts of the people who were actually empowering the demonic stronghold in that temple. Does that make sense? Just like we say this building... Is not the church. This place really becomes the church when you and I walk into the place because we're now empowering the king and his kingdom to come. In the same way, in a place of darkness on the earth, a Hindu temple is just an empty building, but when worshipers come in, they bring another spirit with them and it fills that temple and re empowers it. So, what's the key to deliverance? What's the key to setting a Hindu temple free? You go in there and you actually share the gospel with the people who are once worshiping in a Hindu version. You tell them about Jesus, they get delivered, they get set free, and now all of a sudden they have the authority because they live there to kick out the spirits, because now it's disempowered it. Are, are, we, are you following me? Th- this is important for us to understand. One of the ways that we do this again is with the power of our tongue. It, it's, it's come into line with him, and we're declaring, decreeing certain things over the earth. So either our words give release to God's kingdom or they empower. They empower the power of the enemy. Sometimes when we declare things we've heard too about God, they're not, and we say, "Oh, God said da 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 da," and so I begin to declare those things without actually going and checking the Word. Sometimes we're empowering a lie. If if something doesn't, there's, this is why we're even careful with the worship songs that we sing. There's really great music out there, and there's some really poor theology in the worship songs because it begins to make declarations about God that's not actually consistent with who he is, right? Or, or who we are in this place of worship. And so we're intentional in the power of the words. And so you have to know for yourself, this is who God is. This is what he says. Don't just take what I'm telling you right now as the gospel truth. It is the gospel truth, but confirm it. You have to own it, and you have to declare it. I would be happy, and I've done it numerous times. Hey, pastor, would you come bless our house? I, I love doing that. And I'm going, but how about you who owns the house, who has greater authority than I? You're giving me your authority to come into your house. Why would I have authority to come bless your house? Because you invited me in, and you, you're, you're allowing me to borrow your authority on your land to bless your house. I'd much rather get to this place and say, hey, you're powerful in the kingdom. How about you go bless your house? It'll have even greater effect than if I'm there right? Because personally owning the word of God. So let me read through a few things of scripture. John 10.10, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Okay, so in the context of words, the enemy will come and speak words that want to steal, kill, and destroy you. But Jesus comes to bring you life, words of life that will actually bring you abundant life. And where I'm going with this is, how do you declare that in your own life? And how do you declare it in the life of your family, your friends, your city, and the people around you? How do you actually take care of the church People is by you coming into alignment and saying, Jesus, I'm going to bring the abundance of your life through the words that I speak over people around me. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Obviously, John's talking about Jesus. John 1.14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So when you know that the word of God has shown up is it's full of grace. What is grace? The empowering agent of God for transformation, okay? And it's true, not just a true fact, but it's true because it's found in him. Psalm 107.20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them From their destructions. Isn't it amazing that he sent his word? That's the capital W. So Jesus was the manifestation of the word of God. Now, go with me on this. As he is, so are we in this world. Okay? Does that mean that you're suddenly Jesus? No. Does that mean you're suddenly the living word of God? Possibly. You can become the living word of God to somebody. Because I'm part of his body. So if I show up, Jesus should show up. Okay? I have to come into alignment with identity. I'm not God. I'm not trying to be God. I'm just saying I'm his representative on the earth, and I'm part of his body. And if he's going to send the word and heal people and deliver them from their destructions, who's he sending? Matthew 28. Go into all the world. What? Be a living word. be a demonstration. and what that does require I know I know I think it was St. Francis assist he said, you know preach the gospel with words and that sometimes don't use words or something like that. That's the quote words you use words if you must. I agree with that. but there's some people who have used that as an excuse to not use words. I'm, I'm just saying. The way I live my life, somebody from afar should see the way I'm living my life, and it should be a gospel presentation. But I'm telling you, the moment I interact with you, words are relational. And if I just come and stare at you, it gets weird. Well, not you, because she's kind of cute. This is my wife, by the way. <laughs> but, but words are relational. If I just show up in your life and I don't actually say something and demonstrate, it's not relational, I'm just there with you going, look at me, I'm good. I'm the living word of God. Speak. Remember, it says the word of God came to Moses, I mean, came to Abraham. What was it? It wasn't a flying book going blah, 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 right? What was it? It was God manifesting himself to Abraham and speaking to him in relationship. So words are about building up relationship, releasing grace, releasing truth. Romans 10, 8 through 10 says this. In fact, in in your heart. Let me hear you say in your heart. Why is that important? The overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's the next verse? part of that verse say? And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you confess, let me hear you say confess you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and it's by confessing with your mouth that you're saved he ties them together it's an inside out job he transforms your heart and the overflow of that is Jesus is Lord I'm not looking for religious answers from people Sometimes we go to share the gospel and and we're like, oh, do you know Jesus loves you and you know you want to die for your sins and all this stuff? And and they're like, Yeah, I'm okay. But you're so persistent, they're kind of feeling like they're backed into the corner. And finally, they pray the prayer just to get you off their back. Yeah. And we walk off going, hey, we saved five people today, woohoo. And they're walking away and going, Those people were weird. Yeah. It, it's the transformation of the heart. And sharing of the gospel, demonstrating, we tell them who they are so that the word will penetrate to the place of their heart, transform their heart, and guess what's going to happen? Jesus is Lord, and it will be authentic, and it will be real. It's one of those things, and and the same grace that you're saved by is the same grace that you live by. So every day, what is it? I have an encounter with the one that transformed my heart. I guard my heart above all else because I know out of it's going to flow life. And so I bring into alignment your heart, my heart, and then now what happens? I can't help but come into alignment with what his word says. Proverbs 18, 20 through 21, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So let's go ahead and open up the James chapter 3 real quick. probably one of the most famous passages dealing with the tongue. And I also think it's one of the most misunderstood. Um, I used to struggle with this because James makes it sound so hopeless when he talks about the tongue. But I just want to tell you this. James throws himself into this passage. So he's admonishing people as he's writing his letter. and And he says, and I'm one of you. Okay? So he personifies, he comes into alignment with it so he could actually bring an admonition or a correction to them, but it was more of an invitation to bring them into what is possible. Okay, And so he personifies the tongue, but the tongue is just the tool from the overflow of the heart. But he uses the tongue as an illustration. So let's read it, and then we'll, we'll teach on it. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. Why? For we who teach will be judged more strictly... Okay, so why is this? This is talking about the power of the tongue. How does a teacher teach? Speaks out of the words, okay? Verse 2, Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Now, let me stop here real quick. That word perfect does not mean never messing up. It means mature. Okay? We have to understand what the Greek word is actually talking about. We, we've been mature and then can control ourselves in every other way. What does it tell me? If you're mature in the face, you should be able to control your tongue. I've heard people teach this and say, well, um, things just kind of come out sometimes, coarse jokes, you know, I'm rude or I'm direct or I'm blunt or whatever it is, and it comes across rudely. And we say, well, that's just the way I am. My tongue just, I can't control my tongue. It just comes out. And I'm going, well, that's because you're immature. You're not saved or you're immature. One of the two things. Doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. The Lord knows I have to, I have repented of a lot. I'm a verbal processor as I just re- process. And I've gotten better over the years. So I'm not saying that, that everybody's perfect, but there's this process of maturity that we're going into. Verse three, we can make a large horse go wherever we want uh, by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Let me hear you say chooses to go. That's the power of your will, okay, by the way. You're the pilot of your ship, and Jesus is the captain. Notice it didn't say it goes wherever the captain decides it goes. It goes wherever the pilot turns the wheel, which means you're empowered to control your life, and, but Jesus is the captain that gives you directions of where to go. Do you understand this? Okay. Okay small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. The tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world for its sickness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it's set on fire by hell itself. Isn't it so encouraging? People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives and, or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Now, what is James's point? He's getting to the condition of the heart. Remember, it says, guard your heart above all else, for out of it overflows. It flows. It's a spring. What did Jesus tell the woman at the well? If you, woman, if you only knew who I was, you just ask me, so speak, declaration, right? And I would produce within you, what a fresh water, a river's a living water, a spring of life inside of you that actually transforms your heart so the rivers of life that are in you flow out of your tongue. It is the condition of the heart that James is speaking to. He's thrown himself into it and say, hey, look, without Jesus, we're all going to mess up. We're all going to speak things we shouldn't say. We're all going to do that. But he says, this is not right. So what's the answer? Bring your heart into alignment with who Jesus is. In other parts of scripture, same book, James goes, hey, humble yourselves before the Lord. Humble yourselves. Pride comes before the fall. The Lord will actually oppose the proud, but he will what? Promote the humble. Humble of what? Humble of heart. Right relationship with him. So it's important for us to understand it's the condition of our heart that has to be transformed so that we can produce out of us and actually a pure spring of water. Luke chapter 6, verse 43 says this A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Let me hear you say, A good tree can't produce. So it's impossible, is what Jesus is saying. If it's a good tree, talking about the condition of the heart, it can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs never grow on thorn bushes, nor grapes on bramble brushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury. Let me hear you say a treasury. Uh, how many people are my age that maybe grew up watching uh, DuckTales with Scrooge McDuck? By hand? Okay, good. I know I'm not alone here. Scrooge McDuck had this huge, like 10-story, 15-story, 20-story tall building that was just a vault for gold coins. That was a treasury, okay? So what we're talking about, your heart must become a treasury that's full of treasure and gems and valuable things. It, It increased the capacity. The heart of the Father is good. The heart of the Father is a treasury of good things, And he's wanting to place his heart inside of your heart. He wants your mind to become his mind, but he wants your heart to become like his heart so that your heart becomes a treasury that people can make withdrawals out of or you can make deposits from. Do you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes people are just going to draw off of you. Other times I need to be intentional. Most of the time I would say, unless you're in tight relationship with somebody, you have to be intentional to reach into the treasury of your heart and sow it into the lives of other people. The power of the word, the power of the tongue bringing life. If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, you combine that with when when Paul in Romans is saying, and how are they going to hear about Jesus unless somebody goes and tells them about him? So we have to be a living word that's going out of the treasury of the gold of our transformation with Jesus. And we have to learn how to speak that. And it has to show up in practical ways. Tomorrow morning, you go to work. And there's that person that noise the tar out of you. God, I wish they would just get another job or they'd go back home or whatever it is. Or they just get sick. Maybe they get COVID and then they'll have to quarantine. I'm not saying anybody said that, but... It is mean. What if instead I looked and go, I've got, I've got a good tree and I produce good fruit? What if I just started blessing them? Hey Bob, you're amazing. You bring you, I just really appreciate the way you do this and this. What if you just begin to sow seed into them, even if it's not true about their behavior now? But what if you dug into the treasury of the heart of the Father? And he says, the plans I have for you, and you start going, oh, here's the plan for Bob. Man, this is amazing. Let me deposit that gold inside of Bob. And all of a sudden, he goes, why are you so nice to me? Because Jesus loves you, right? You begin to share the gospel. What if with your wives, your children, people around you, barbecues, family reunions, people you wish wouldn't come back around. You just use the power of declaration. Because here's what happens. In Proverbs, it also says, and it personifies the woman, but, but guys, can we understand this? He's not just talking about women. But a wise woman will either build up her house or tear it down by her what? We are the bride of Christ, all of us. So a wise bride of Christ we we'll either build up the world or tear it down by our words just saying this is why we must develop a kingdom mindset which brings us into alignment with the heart of the father James brings it back around in James chapter 5. I'll just read it real quick. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing psalms of praise. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. If you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins each to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human just as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield crops. Let me hear you say crops. Rain, water produces crops. A lack of rain produces a dust bowl and there's no crops. And we're supposed to be producing fruit in the world. When I was driving up the Midland, it's obviously at that point last week, it was still February. And so everything's brown. You're driving, you know, in Texas because it just hadn't rained. And we came across this field that was probably, I don't know, 10, 15 acres. You could see it across. It was the greenest spot. And it stuck out because it was so green. And on it were tons and probably a couple hundred sheep. And they had, they had the big, you know, uh, water things that kind of move across the field, watering, watering the field. And the Lord began to speak to me. He says, I, I want my church to become like this with their words, that they would actually become like an oasis. There's such a demonstration of the washing of the word, the nourishing of the word, the declaration of the word, that it actually creates grass. It creates an oasis in a dry and dusty land where nothing else can grow. But in this place it can grow. What ends up happening is all of a sudden goats will be attracted, because goats will eat anything. They'll eat rubber, they'll eat metal, they're they're the weirdest things in the world, okay? Actually, they're they're good garbage disposal. Anyway, but we're supposed to come to Jesus and turn from a goat to a what? A sheep. See, a sheep can't eat just anything. A sheep eats good grass, right? Good oats. And so what we're looking to do is be transformed. What if your home became an oasis of good things? Because... You're speaking life. What if your home became known as the house in your neighborhood? That's where you go, not just when you need help, but when you need to be built up. Every time I come around that family, like I'm so, it's amazing how how they get along and they love one another and all these different things, Like, and they just come around, and I just want to be around you. Why? Because you're developing an oasis that should expand into fields upon fields upon fields. I'm just telling you this whole I-35 corridor is going to become not just an oasis, it's actually going to become a revival field. Because what follows water comes crops. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. And look at verse 25. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation. I'm not going to go deep into this. This is really the main point illustration I want you to get. So just before this, this talks about, hey, in a marriage is what a marriage looks like coming together. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Uh, that, that, That Greek word for word is rhema. It's not just a previous word that was done. It's a freshly spoken word. Another translation says, Having cleansed her by the washing of water by the word. The washing of water by the word. Verse 27, He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies, for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And now we are members of his body. Before I tackle talking about the cleansing of the Word specifically, I want to just pinpoint something here real quick where it's talking about how a husband actually cares for his own body by caring for the body of of his wife, like he cares for his own body. And, And what I would say is what we're talking about in this message has to begin in the house of God first. We have to speak words of life that actually build us up in relationship, in intimacy, not let anything come in between us being reconciled and together into wholeness. This is how we take care of our own body. And so when we come into a church situation, there's lots of different situations and backgrounds and, and where we've come from. And it's so important for us to go, man, I want the body of Christ to grow. I want my body to grow. How do I do that? I take care of it by... Cleansing her by the washing of the word. I'm intentional with my words. In every interaction I have with people, it's so important that we are careful with our words, intentional with our words, because I want to declare over you that we're supposed to be one and we're going to build our body up together. It's kind of an interesting thing that that Jesus would use this as an illustration because he specifically, remember, when he created Adam, out of Adam he created Eve. Eve. And he brought her out. So Adam looks at her and goes, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. How did Jesus recreate us? We became his body. He didn't just take us out of his body. He brought us into his body. We are unified in Christ. This is why the two becoming one flesh is so important. So it's important for us to really hone in on this. But let's go back to verse 26 real quick. To make her holy and clean. This is talking about the ceremonial washing of it. Uh, when, when you read the book of Esther, and Esther is brought and she was prepared. Now, remember, Esther is actually an X-rated book. Can we be honest with that? I mean, because think about it. She was actually being brought in with a pagan king, and there's a bunch of women there sleeping with them. And they were being prepared to become. It's not a G-rated book. But there's this purification process that Esther had to go through over months and over months in order to be able to be prepared to be holy and cleansed in order to be able to come into union with the king. Okay? In the same way, what are we doing? Like the, the, Jesus looks at us and he goes, The things that would have caused you to have a wrinkle or a blemish have actually made you young and youthful again. We, we all know that stress causes age to come on quickly. If you ever have looked at presidents before they come into office, you see a picture of them, and four years later, when they come out of office, they've aged well beyond what four years is all about. Why? Because oppressor and the stress and things like that has a physical impact inside the body. And, and what, I'm, what I'm proposing to you is this what if Jesus is coming back for a young, beautiful bride? And I'm not talking about vanity, by the way. Okay? I'm not afraid of growing old. I'm not afraid of wrinkles. I'm not afraid of gray hair. I'm not afraid of those things. Why? Because it's a life well lived and a long life. What I'm talking about is, what if the condition of my heart is not wrinkled? What if the condition of my heart is pure and holy? Is he's holy? What, and, and how does that happen? It happens by the washing, the cleansing of the rhema, word of God. Taking these promises. I can't tell you how many times in my family... I bury this thing in my heart. At one time, I buried it in my heart so I would know it for me. But now I bury it in my heart so I will know it for others, especially for my family. I wash my family on a regular basis. You know why? Because life hurts sometimes. Life happens. But we are meant to be the words of life says, hey, the brokenness of the heart, let me just wash it over you. You were loved. You don't have to perform for love or affection. You're already fully loved. We receive you. I love you. I mean, it's just a regular basis. This is how God made you to be, give you permission. Like you just speak the words over and over and over, and guess what happens? Life. What was happening in worship this morning? I know I wasn't the only one that felt, especially at the end. It was just like when everything went silent for a moment. I just dropped to my knees because I'm like, surely God is here. Surely he's manifest. And I was just on my knees and the Lord goes, it's because my people declared it. My people invited me. They they spoke it. And it cleansed the atmosphere for the praise of heaven to come marching in. What if we took this word so seriously where it's we speak words of forgiveness which set people free and declare them innocent? What if we spoke words of praise and encouragement that builds people up? We talk about this in prophetic ministry time. Sometimes we see the dirt of what's going on in somebody's life, but I don't prophesy about the dirt. I prophesy about the gold and begin to speak those words of life. You're like, well, they're not behaving like that yet. That's not what the word says. How did Jesus behave before you even got to know him? Jesus forgave you before you were forgivable. The only reason any of us became forgivable is because the shed blood of Jesus. It's a holy moment. I I think we're maturing as a house, as a family that says it's important. Here's why. Because as we continue to expand the reach of the gospel in this city, in this region, there's going to be people who come through those doors and the doors of a future building who are not there yet. And it's going to require fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters who are guarding their heart, who are loving their heart, and who are able to embrace them coming in and not judge where they're at, not judge what they're not, but instead let me tell you who you are. Let me tell you what's capable this is a place that will wash them by the cleansing of the word. When they come in and say, you don't know where I grew up. You don't know what I experienced. You don't know the trauma or the abuse. And I go, but he does. And he sent you to us so that we can wash that stuff off by the beauty of his word. Do you understand how powerful this It's so important that we know the word of God. It's so important that we stay in intimacy. It's so important that we guard our hearts. Because in the tongue is life or death. And I can send somebody right back to the pit of hell who's trying to make it out by speaking a curse or rejection. Or I can go, I love you. And this invitation to become family and be washed. Because the way I look at it is this. I'm called to co-labor with Jesus, which means I'm called to wash you by the cleansing of his word to present you to him as a pure and spotless bride so that we together can take the ones who are coming in dirty and tattered and broken and we can wash them by the cleansing of the word of God so we can present them to him as a pure and spotless bride. And it goes on and on and on until he goes, now it's time for the wedding feast but we're called to occupy until he returns. So why don't you stand with me? If you just close your eyes by your head and ask this question, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? If you're sitting in this place right now and you'd say, I'm actually don't know if I'm born again. I don't know if I've been transformed. I don't know if I died that I would go to heaven. Well, you can know today. God is here. He's good. And his spirit makes it possible for you to get a glimpse of what real life actually looks like which is giving up an old life. Let it be crucified with Jesus so the new life can be got through the resurrection of Jesus. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you're going to be transformed, you're going to be saved, you're going to become born again, and everything I talked about will now become possible. So this right where you're at right now. If that's you, ask the Holy Spirit to transform your heart. Say, help me to believe. And then say, I believe that the Father raised the Son from the grave. So that I might be made whole and brand new. And now I confess with my mouth that Jesus, you are Lord. Lord. You're my Lord. You're my life. Now, I just declare over everyone all at once. I just declare words of forgiveness. You have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. The one whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And so I just declare the freedom of Jesus over you right now, and I declare you innocent as if you had never sinned or stepped away. I declare that you are a good people. I encourage you now to realize that you have value and that you have worth in Jesus, that he loves you unconditionally, that he has a purpose and a plan specifically for you, that you're not an accident, but instead you were created on purpose for God's purpose. I just release and speak words of comfort over those who have been hurt by the world, by life, and by the church Jesus heals the broken heart. And so I just release a word that brings comfort, which heals and cleanses the wound of rejection or abuse. Instead brings you into wholeness. I just confront anything that would divide relationship instead of building it up right now. And so I just declare right now that you are ministers of reconciliation. And that the Lord is going to give you words. He's going to give you understanding of how to confront the things that have actually created division in your home, in your heart, people around you, or in your church. And I declare that you can reconcile it into wholeness. You're going to be a builder of relationships. I just give you permission to speak words of correction that help someone to set back on to the path of life because a father, and mother will speak the truth and speak it in love. And finally, I just declare words of life that bring dead things into alignment with the life of Jesus. You are alive. You are loved. And Father, we come into alignment with your word. Thank you that you're cleansing us and empowering us. And we declare this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.